Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast. Inspiring conversations with badass women, empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to share today's interview with you. I am such a foodie and I had to get Gemma Wade on the show today, I guess you could call it a show, podcast. She is a pro cook, so she toasts cooking classes in her home, but not your fancy, unattainable, you know, Michelin star cooking. It's just honest, delicious home cooking. She makes it in her kitchen. She She hosts classes in her kitchen and what a fantastic thing to be doing. She's so passionate about helping busy people who have busy lives get good, honest, home-cooked food on the table. And I just love her approach. So I'm really excited to share her interview today. We go into her story and why she's so passionate about food and what she does, but also Jem shares so many tips and a few of her favourite recipes so be sure to head to the show notes as well at the end of this episode and all the links to those will be included. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm with Gemma Wade today. Gemma's cooking class company is called You Say Tomato Yeah. and she has a really interesting story so I'm excited to chat today and I'm a massive foodie. Yeah. So I'm really excited. So we can just talk about food. Yeah, <laughs> to just chat about food for an hour. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. You have a great story of how you got into business and just your like life anyway has taken a few twists and turns in the past yeah. few years. So tell us about yourself and how you got into doing it. Oh my goodness. So um, I, born and raised in Manchester, come from a family of cooks, but you know, just normal cooks and um, spent a lot of time in the kitchen when I was growing up. Um, and when I went to university, I was desperate to get a job in advertising or media, something like that, because it all sounded very exciting. Got a job in advertising, wasn't quite as exciting as I thought it would be, but it was good and it was really good fun. Um, learned loads, spent 10 years working in advertising, moved down to London, um, worked in a big agency down there, and my clients were people like Cancer Research UK, um, Toyota, L'Oreal, so really big, juicy clients to work on really long hours yeah you work hard play hard really good fun um I would never used to get home until about nine o'clock at night and the one thing that used to sort of ground me at the end of the day was to come home and cook um which I know some people think is strange but I'd come home and having during the day often I hadn't really felt like I'd achieved that much because you're part of this big team and you'd be chipping away at something but you didn't really ever finish anything in a day. And what I loved about cooking was that I would come home and within half an hour I could go from having a pile of ingredients to having dinner. And it felt like just like a nurturing thing to do, but also just satisfying to do what I wanted to do and nobody else was interfering. So I just make dinner and that's that's what I enjoyed doing. Um, And I just loved, you know, I've always been interested in food and I think I sort of came of age when... Jamie Oliver was kind of kicking off so me and him are very similar age and when his first TV show came out that opened my eyes to ingredients I'd never heard of and just a bit more of a casual way of cooking because yeah. until then it had been very sort of Delia Smith, very proper. Um, so I just love cooking, love reading about it. Fast forward, had a baby, was about to go back to work in advertising and back then, not like it is now, they were really resistant to any kind of flexible working. And I just, living in London, you've probably got a commute of an hour each way before you even get to work. And the thought of leaving a baby at seven in the morning and not seeing him again until 7.30 at night just wasn't worth it. Um, we then, my husband got for a job in America. He worked at a tech company, worked at eBay. Um, and we just were in a position where we'd found out we were pregnant with our second one, we were living in a tiny flat, and it was either move out of London and then have a huge commute, or move to America, so we moved to America. (laughs) And it seemed, you know, it was just, in hindsight, we were mental, because we had two, well, I was pregnant and we had a one-year-old, and it's not an ideal time to move away from your whole support network. Um, 
to a country we knew nobody yeah. in, you know, and it's, you know, it's an 11-hour flight, it's not an easy place to go to. Yeah. But anyway, we did it, and the first few months were really, really hard, um, settling in, all that kind of thing. But then, you know, after a while, I had my second baby, when he was about six months old, I was just desperate to do something. I loved being a mum, but I didn't feel like that was all I could do. I wanted to do something else, I wanted to use my brain, I wanted to share things that I'd spent 10 years climbing up the ladder learning in advertising. And one night over a bottle of wine, when most of our life decisions usually happen, we were sitting in the garden and I was moaning about, I couldn't work out what to do and childcare and all that kind of stuff. And um, my husband was saying, well, why don't you do cooking classes? And I was thought, well, I could, but me being me, I put up loads of barriers. Like, well, I can't do it because I'd have to find somewhere to rent it cost too much money to set up, how do I, you know, all the barriers that I think a lot of women tend to do. Mm-hmm. And he just, each of those barriers was like, well, no, just do this. And then I was speaking to my mum about it, and she was like, well, why don't you just do it from your kitchen? And, I, and it's so stupid that it seems so obvious to her, but to me, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. And we were living in a rental kitchen, so um, it wasn't as nice as this. It was, you know, this kind of very 1990s American kitchen. Um, but yeah, so I just started, I started, I set up a Facebook page, um, which obviously was free and didn't take much know-how and word just kind of got out. Um, so my first class overran by about an hour and a half because <laughs> I worked out how long all the cooking would take, but I hadn't factored in the questions Actually, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was just the most enormous, you know, learning curve. Um, but people loved it because it was something that no one else was doing and I teach in a very normal way you know we'll end up talking about all sorts of different things that aren't related to food you know in my classes I usually have sort of eight people sitting around watching me cook um, and then they eat everything have a glass of wine so it's really sociable but I very quickly realized that a lot of the things that I just knew instinctively most people didn't know about cooking I think there's a huge gap in knowledge mm-hmm. um, so the level I've pitched myself at is not you know, you don't come to my classes to learn how to make master chef sort of food. There is a market for that, and there are people who do that at cooking schools. But I'm much more interested in helping real people with real lives get dinner on the table, but it tastes delicious. And then not waste food, not waste money, not waste time going to the shops. Um, I totally get the fact that most people have, haven't got enough time, maybe don't know what they're doing and have got to feed people who are eating at different times of the day, picky kids, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So all my recipes come from all those insights. You know, and I've now done six years of classes and had about 5,000 people through my classes. So every single one of them, every question they've asked is now stored in my head. So when I'm writing a recipe or thinking, is this a good recipe to share? I've always got that kind of sense check of people saying, you know, knowing that, some people aren't going to... I know that in America, most people don't like lamb, weirdly, because wow. it's too strong. So I tend not yeah. to teach things with lamb in America. Um, there's certain flavours that I know that some people really struggle with. And also, I know that everybody loves a one-pan thing now. Yeah. The minute I say anything that's one-pan, everyone's like, woohoo! So I've kind of, over time, I've kind of tailored what I do. Um, cool. So yeah, so, so that's kind of... I've gone on for ages, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all yeah. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really cool and um, a great example of how you can gradually learn over time your like ideal audience and what your customer actually wants and is looking yeah. for and you've stored all them questions and you can anticipate what your customer wants now before they've even told you. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great place to get to when you're a business owner, especially with a service. Yeah. yeah. Especially when someone's turning up and they might not know what they're getting, but you know what they need to get out of exactly, it. Exactly. And it's funny because, you know, when I was in advertising, I spent so many evenings, it was always on an evening, sitting on the other side. Of, you know those mirrors when people do focus groups? Yeah. So if you've ever been in a focus group, you basically ask the person who's in the focus group, you'll sit around and chat about something. And there's a mirror with a bunch of people from the advertising agency and the client watching what you say. And we were all about, let's get insights to drive our business. You know, that all our advertising campaigns came from insights. But actually, so that I think was always in me of like, you have to listen to what people want. And regardless of what you want to offer, you have to offer what people want. Otherwise, there's no point just, you know, doing what you want to do. 
Um, and the lovely thing is I feel like every single class I do is like a focus group because every single class I learn something that people don't know or something that people are having an issue with or somebody will mention a new ingredient that they've tried or, you know, so it's just constantly information going in and I get to use that. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it must have been quite, like, quite isolating and lonely moving to a new country on your own without your support network your husband's working do you think that played a part in why you wanted why you craved like setting up a business because it was your own thing and you've almost with your clients and your customers you almost cultivate your own like community over there definitely was there a lot of mindset struggles and confidence issues and how did like how did it feel setting up your own business somewhere you you don't know anyone yeah you've got no immediate support network around you yeah it could make me cry (laughs) (laughs) it was such a hard time so and it sounds daft because I'm sure everyone's like oh poor you you moved to California but you know I left (laughs) I had the most amazing gang of mates in London who were like my girls like we had been through we'd all been single together we'd all met our husbands together we'd all had babies together we'd been out you know we'd carried each other home we'd been to each other's weddings like we were just tight as so leaving them and you know, there were people that I could answer the phone and they could tell by my voice if I was having a bad day and they'd be like, right, I'm coming around with a bottle of wine. Or, you know, when I had a newborn, we were all at different stages of babies. So they would like text me and be like, okay, you're two weeks in, this is probably happening. And I'd yeah. be like, oh my God, thank God, I thought it was going mad. Um, <laughs> so I had that and I, my mum and dad were, you know, an hour and a half away on the train. Um, I'm really close to my mum and dad. And leaving that and moving somewhere where not only physically was it a long way away, but, you know, just, I couldn't even pick up the phone to my mum because of the time difference. Yeah. So some days I was having a really bad day and it was the middle of the night for her and same with my friends. And when we first moved there, I did all the things you're supposed to do. Like I joined these like mother and baby groups, but the way that parenting was done there was quite different to how it was in England. At first, the people I met anyway, in time I met people who had much more of a similar mindset. But, you know, I left kind of mum friends in London we were all we'd all worked and planning on going back to work a lot of people in creative industries um we were all quite sarcastic we all kind of laughed about the madness of it all and then I went to America and initially the people I met I did meet other people later on but a lot of the people met everything was awesome and they were in you know creating memories and it was all very positive Mm which I struggled with because I wasn't feeling very positive and I didn't have, there was no, nowhere in those groups that I could say, do you know what, I'm having a really shit time because everyone else was making out like it was amazing. But then I met a group of English expat mums who became <laughs> like my, there was, yeah, it was just crazy because of Silicon Valley, which is where we lived. It just brings in people from all over yeah. the world. So actually what was lovely, there were a lot of, you know, refugees is what we used to call ourselves. So people who had no family. So we all kind of became each other's family. And there was a couple of girls who, um, if they listen to this, will probably remember there was a day that I went for coffee with them. And my little one, my youngest one was like four weeks old, I think. And my oldest one was one and a half. And I walked in and I'd kind of got myself there. And I was like, and then the mini walked and they were like, are you all right? And I was like, and just let and they both had older kids so they totally got it I just remember they were like it's gonna get better don't worry and I had that then um but then when I started the business yeah you're right I kind of made my own gang which is kind of cool um so then yeah and it became I, I got to meet some of my now best friends um so you know as time went on I met the mums the American mums and the English mums over there who had much more of a similar outlook to me and were more honest and all that yeah. kind of thing um and some of them are people who came to the first time I met them was when they came to a cooking class and we just clicked um so now when I go back and teach in America I'm going back in a month I actually stay with a girl who I first met in a cooking class I stay at her house another girl who I met I always end up going you know we'll have drinks and catch up so yeah. it's, it's lovely it's a really nice way to meet people yeah apart from that core group was there anything else personally that you really learned on in that time when you were having like a really shitty day and you mm-hmm. presenting these classes and you have you had to appeal to a completely new set of people because like you say yeah. 
more positivity, like you can't be sarcastic. Yeah. Because there's yeah. just that language barrier. Yes. Yeah, sarcasm isn't as much of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which I quickly realised. Because <laughs> people are like, wow, you're just rude. Yeah. Just like, no, or, they think you're be, or they think you're being like really mean to your friends. Yes. Yeah, sarcastic. exactly. <laughs> or like my son would drop something and be like, oh my god, he's such an idiot. They're like, oh. <laughs> like they'd look at me as if yeah. I was like, and I was like, no, I don't, I, I don't mean he's an idiot. He just, you know, it's just what you say. Yeah. <laughs> and also the self-deprecating thing that I think in England we... You know, someone says, oh, I love your dress. You're like, oh, it's from Primark. Or, yeah. or it's a bit, I feel a bit fat in it. Whereas over there, someone says, I love your dress. And you're like, thanks. Yeah. And that was something I'd never done. You know, and, and actually, you know, being in California and especially where we were, it's such a positive place. And the reason that so many amazing new businesses are happening there is because unlike in England, where I think we quite like to knock people down mm-hmm. and question things, over there, they're just like, brilliant awesome how can I help you you know if you've got a business idea whereas you know I think over here you say I'm going to set up this business and people are a bit like have you thought about this or ooh, what if it doesn't work yeah exactly whereas over there it's much more positive yeah um so I don't think I've answered the question sorry it is really interesting to talk about because for me I could just never imagine what it would be like not only to live in America, yeah, but to set up a business in America, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. So I think there were days when I was like, "Why am I doing this?" Because I could yeah. have just been a stay-at-home mum, which is a bloody hard job in itself. And you know, I was creating a job that allowed me to kind of do that, but also work, which in itself is quite tricky because people really didn't really know who I was. Like, am I a stay-at-home mum or am I a working mum? because I was at the preschool gates or because I was at now and at school people people don't really know you know whereas like the mums who are working in an office from like eight or six tend to have a lot in common with other mums who do that and you know it, it's it's hard to find a, find your find your gang in that but you know when I was that didn't answer the question at all either sorry um <laughs> no but when I was setting up over there the lovely thing was being in Silicon Valley that you know tech wise Everyone around you is creating solutions to problems. You know, every business that starts in Silicon Valley pretty much has to have as part of their mantra, like, we're here to solve this problem. We're here to make this better. You know, Uber is there to make the taxi experience better. You know, all all those different companies start to make a problem go away or make it easier to deal with. Um, So, you know, everyone I met was in that mindset of, you know, if I said to them, oh, I'm trying to do this, they kind of got that, they had that entrepreneurial idea, they knew how to solve problems, they had great contacts, so, you know, I'd mention something, they'd be like, oh, I know a guy who's doing such and such, or I know a girl who works at Apple who could help you with that, or whatever, yeah. so that was really good, um, but yeah, I mean, there was days, I used to always teach my cooking classes at night, and quite often, you know, I'd be putting kids to bed, and then 10 minutes later, I had a household of people, it was like, red lippy on, hair back, I had no sleep, I can, you know, and it, that, but then that's just, nothing's ever perfect. And I think if I'd have waited for a time when I felt like everything was a bit more in control and perfect, that time would have never come. Yeah. And actually by doing it in the tough circumstances of being sleep deprived and having a child who's not quite settling to go to bed and you've got people arriving, that's when you learn how to cope with, you know, and also in the same ways when I'm teaching, Sometimes I forget something's in the oven and it gets a bit overcooked. Yeah. You know, and you just have to wing it and get around it. And actually, I think that's what people really liked about what I did because I wasn't perfect. And I, if something gets a bit burnt in class, I'll kind of either make a joke of it or scrape a bit off. But mostly what I do is say, well, actually, if this happens to you, this is how we deal with it. Yeah. You know, and that's what people need because yeah. mistakes happen and you have to learn to deal with it. Yeah. I can never do toast without burning it. I feel like I'm a competent cook, but when it comes to toast, I just... Well, I'll tell you what, I'm rubbish at boiling eggs. It's, (laughs) you know, I can make the most elaborate, flavourful things. I think it's an attention thing with me, like boiling eggs. I'm not, I don't like cooking to a timer, and with eggs you kind of need to. And with toast, I love burnt toast. My husband likes pale toast, I like burnt toast, so (laughs) it works out quite well. It's usually something that suits everybody, but... um, And there was a thing that Jamie Oliver said, I went to... A talk thing that he did and he was saying that um the difference between an okay cook and someone who makes delicious food is that bravery of getting close to the burnt stage and I think you know if you think about 
for example, I don't know, like something amazing on the barbecue, like a bit of grilled meat that's got that yeah. nice kind of charry flavour versus something that's like a just it's cooked but it hasn't got any colour on it and the same with like an amazing really crunchy dark roast potato versus a roast potato that's a bit anemic and soft and that kind of confidence of knowing when is it about to burn and how to stop just before then but also being brave enough to kind of push it that far which yeah that's probably quite a good lesson in life I suppose like how far you can push things until it goes wrong but while it's still exciting and creates new things and stuff like that yeah yeah we're all about like just slow and cook it for as long as possible in our family right yeah, like, very northern. Take it yeah. very yeah, yeah. Like, like a slow pasta cook. sauces yeah. stews yeah refried beans like mexican we love because that's like that's another one where you almost burn it yeah and that's why it tastes so well, it concentrates all the flavor yeah because it yeah. gets rid of all the liquid yeah yeah, oh, yeah. okay yeah. so we're on to food now, yeah which is the exciting bit yeah um yeah, so your food philosophy, you've already kind of gone into it a little bit Yeah. Um, with, you know, cooking for families and being aware of people's time constraints and money constraints and, you know, all of that and making it more of a convenience thing, mm. but still delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of hurdles do you find you have to overcome with your clients and with your cooking classes, yeah, cooking class students. attendees, yeah, yeah, yeah. students. Um, yeah, what advice would you give to people who are just like busy, yeah. working parents who oh. just want to get healthy food on the table? Yeah, I think the thing is, I totally get it. I think there's a lot of food writers and chefs who live in a bit of a foodie bubble, and they don't. They're not really in direct contact with people who are living real lives a lot of the food media and all that kind of stuff caters to people who already love cooking and what I hope I'm doing is kind of creating recipes and tips that give people who cook because they have to rather than because they want to um, but hopefully by cooking some of my recipes they then start to enjoy cooking and then they start to enjoy the results so yeah I know that most people who I'm talking to um haven't got very much time they you know they haven't got loads of money they haven't got time to be going to seven different shops to buy unusual ingredients for things um a lot of people that i talk to are cooking two or three different meals a night before they start talking to me um they are going to the shops four or five times a week they're throwing quite a lot of food away yeah all that stuff which i know is just the wrong path to be going down because it'll just send you do lally um so you know when I get those people when I start talking to people and you know a lot of the time like yesterday on Instagram I had a lady who comments on one of my posts saying oh my god I'm having a nightmare I've got kids doing sport every night my husband doesn't get home till late one of my kids has decided she wants to stop eating meat but you know all these things that are in people's heads when they're trying to decide what the hell to make for dinner um so my recipes that I share and tips are you know, I always will write, my big thing is one family, one meal. So the biggest thing that I think anyone can do is stop making more than one meal a night because I love cooking and I can't make, I could make three meals a night, but none of them would be very good. Yeah. So you're feeding or people. Some, some would have have to have ready meal components. Yeah, exactly. You can't make three things from yeah. scratch. Um, so to get around that, my big thing is like, you know, one family, one meal. So the meals that I share, I will always say this part of the meal, if, you know, for example, kids are eating earlier, adults are eating later, this is how you can reheat it and what to add or this is how to reheat it later on and add a bit more chilli if the kids aren't that keen on chilli or... I do a lot of, you know, things like tacos or um, noodle bowls where there's lots of different elements and I encourage everyone in the family to almost make up their own bowls. So you do, you cook some noodles, you get some chicken, chop up some veg, get some sauces out and then, you know, you might have a bit more veg and a bit less chicken. One of you might not be having noodles, but you're all having the same meal and you're only cooking once, but everyone can tailor it to what they actually want to eat. Um, because there is so much drama around mealtimes, especially with kids. And I think that, as a parent, when you've 
you know, got in from work, you've been to the shops, you've made dinner, and then your kids are like, I don't want it. It's just like a, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. And it's so exhausting. I mean, that's happening time and time and time again. You do get to a point where you're like, well, here's some broccoli and fish fingers. You're not going to eat it, but I've given, you know, and I see yeah. it. I've got friends and, you know, I've been there with, my little boy went through a phase of being really picky. Um, and it is exhausting. You're like, why do I bother if they're not going to eat it? But... What I say to people is, like, if you do concentrate on making one meal for the whole family, make it delicious, and then, A, people are probably more likely to eat it, and you're going to enjoy it, so even if they don't enjoy it, you know what I mean? Don't make, don't get into a rut of cooking what the kids will eat, because then that's just, you're not enjoying it, they're not expanding their taste buds and all that kind of thing. Um, So I have loads of recipes on my site that kind of fit that, um... And the other big thing that I urge people to do is to meal plan, which sounds like, oh God, you know, but (laughs) actually, you know, I spend usually on a Sunday, I will put the kids in front of the telly or if they'll be playing in the garden or whatever, I just need half an hour. I sit down, I have a quick look through the freezer in the fridge and the cupboard to see what I've got. I will plan, I write down a list of what we're doing each night, which could, you know, who's in at what time, all that kind of thing. Um, and I'll plan, you know, one night we'll have something out of the freezer. So, for example, I might have made a chilli the previous week and we've got some of it in the freezer. So I'll plan we'll have that one night and add something to it that makes it a bit more. It's not like Groundhog Day. So, you know, add a salsa to it so it kind of brightens everything up. Another night I will plan to make something that's a double that's doubling up so that I can then put half in the freezer for another week, you know? Yeah. And then one night I'll plan that we're going to have something that is one of my kind of, you know, like a pasta that I know that I can make with my eyes closed while all the madness is going on. I'm helping with homework so it doesn't take any thinking. Yeah. You know, another night I'll plan maybe to try a new recipe. I tend to do that maybe on a weekend when I've got a bit more time. Um, so I kind of plan all what, what we're going to eat. You know, I'll make sure that if we've got some cauliflower in the fridge that needs eating, we'll have that probably on a Monday or Tuesday, that kind of thing. Um, so I do my meal plan and then I make a list of what I need at the shops and I do it by aisle, which saves so much time. It's so funny whenever I go to the supermarket, I look at people's shopping lists and I'm like, because <gasps> <laughs> I see it. people who've got like biscuits, cabbage, frozen peas, I'm chicken. Really and I'm like, that. why do you get around the supermarket? So my, d- my dad's really organised. He'll make like a veg, fruit and veg that's list. That's what I do, yeah. And then like a cupboard list. Yeah, and I literally, because I <laughs> make the supermarket. scribble it down as it's coming into my head. Yeah. Well, I scribble it down, but then I reorder it because yeah. you just get around the supermarket faster. And also it means you avoid aisles that you don't really know anything from. The aisles of doom, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're hungry. The chocolate are yeah. like... The Easter Isle at the moment is the worst. Basically the middle of the shop. So (laughs) I once read something that said, if you want to shop well in the supermarket, just go around the outside because that's really fresh because they have to have the fresh stuff near the doors to keep it fresh. So anyway, but um, apart from Sainsbury's, which is the only shop in the UK I found that actually seem to care about people's health yeah. <laughs> and want you to because when you go in it's your fresh all flowers fruit and, veg. and then your fruit and veg straight away yeah. but everyone yeah. else like Tesco Astro all the biggies like yeah. I just go head right around the outside yeah. to the fruit and veg I know and it's you know so I do that and that not only saves me time because I only try to go to the shop once a week saves me a lot of money because I'm buying food for the week you know I've been in this you know I know what it's like when it gets to Thursday and you're exhausted and you haven't really got much in the fridge and you've not thought of what to cook and just the energy of thinking what to cook is too much. So you just end up either having toast or, you know, takeaway or getting a ready meal. And it's, you know, it costs a lot more, it's not as healthy. Whereas if I know I've got the ingredients in, that's half the job done, really. And I know what I'm going to make, I then just have to make it yeah um and you know sometimes it gets to the end of the week and i've bought something for like friday night and then we actually get invited to go to a friend's house i'll just use it over the weekend or i'll make something and shove it in the freezer for the following week so i hate wasting food i hate wasting money and i like eating nice food so the whole meal planning thing for me you know helps with all those things yeah yeah and that's my big tip for everybody is to meal plan and i have loads of stuff on my website about how to meal plan i share meal plans every week on social media and on my website so that people can copy them or you know a lot of people will just pick elements from them um but that's been really positive i had really lovely feedback from that from yeah people i really like seeing the meal plans <laughs> i'm just nosy anyway and love hearing what people are eating oh gosh, yeah do you know those yeah. like what i eat in a day videos on youtube yeah. i love 
much in there. Yeah, and also like you know, old school magazines like they always have like what's in your fridge. Like, I yeah. love all that stuff. Oh, the back of Women's Health, they always have like what I eat in a week. Yeah, I always like... think that's lies though. I'm sure people don't eat that stuff. They're yeah, like, you definitely. I had quinoa like... for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and a half a bar, of, half a, a piece of chocolate. It's like really it an egg white omelet. <laughs> Get some yolk in there now. Have some fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, so I'm I'm a nosy nosy Parker. I love I love anything to do with food. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> so on the subject of health and food, yeah, um, how much do you focus on health when it comes to your cooking classes and the recipes you make? Do you I don't know. Do you make it a part of your cooking classes? Um, I know you've tweeted recently. I saw about the obesity campaign, the obesity campaign with cancer research. Yeah, and you had like some really good stuff to say about that. So, I'd love to talk about how cooking from home can be healthier and how you incorporate that message in a kind, approachable, accessible yeah. way yeah. in your classes. So I don't think the world needs anyone else telling anyone what to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, my thing is if you are cooking from scratch at home whatever you're cooking it's going to be a healthy way to eat obviously if you're making cakes every day not ideal but you know the problems that we're facing as a world not just in i mean in america they're facing huge problems we're following very close behind Mm -hmm. no one is getting obese and getting diabetes because they're making too many homemade cakes and making stews with butter in or putting a bit of olive oil on their vegetables or making in their omelette exactly (laughs) putting an egg yolk in their omelette people are getting fat and unhealthy because they're eating too much processed food they don't know how to cook they're reaching for convenience food they haven't got access to good ingredients but it's you know it's education it's access and i'm very anti big food business um the problem is i think the gap in knowledge that has been created by a lack of education has been filled by big food businesses coming in with solutions so even the healthy food market you know wellness. people think well i mean ugh, yeah that you I know <laughs> yeah i mean i oh gosh so I, I think my issue is that we've allowed big food and by that i mean you know kellogg's all those big companies to come in and tell us what we should eat and it's like surprise surprise they're telling us to eat the stuff they sell that's cheap for them to make that they can sell yeah. for a lot of money or adding the word protein into oh, a cereal protein which oh, is like the new low fat it's healthy now uh, and you know i grew up in the 80s with my mum bless her did what she thought was the right thing to do which was everything was low fat artificial sweeteners because at that time that's what they were told to do um and my mum was a brilliant cook, so actually most of what she made was good, but every now and then she'd go on a mission and we'd be having, you know, Candorelle and all those yeah. kind of things. But um, my thing is, let's just stop trying to cut out food groups. Let's stop trying to talk about guilt mm. and all that good food, bad food. Like, if you eat loads of fruit and veg, good quality meat that's led a good life, but not that much of it, um, whole grains things that haven't got loads of weird ingredients in you know and you cook from scratch like it's much better to make a bowl of homemade wholemeal pasta with some homemade pesto that can be ready in 10 minutes if you know how so and that's yeah. what i try and teach people the clean eating thing i think we moved to california now gosh six years ago and that opened my eyes to that was just when the clean eating thing was kind of kicking off in england as well yeah. but when i moved to california it was full on you know everything over there has got, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo, vegan, blah, blah, blah. Refined. Refined. Yeah, and it's so confusing. (laughs) And when you're a bit susceptible, you know, if you've got, if you know you want to lose a bit of weight or you're trying to be healthier, you get all these mixed messages and you just end up, I think, making yourself obsessed with food. And I think my issue with clean eating is having, you know, I've got a lot of clients who've come to me who they've got you know maybe teenage daughters or people who are just absorbing these clean eating messages which are coming from people who aren't actually nutritionally qualified at all and they're cutting out food groups and they're measuring things and obsessing about things and spending 10 pounds on a jar of something that they're supposed to eat that's a superfood and they're losing sight of the joy of food and you know i think if we can cook from scratch knowing how to do it and enjoy it there's not many things in life 
that are that easy to enjoy, you know, and have enjoying a meal three times a day is such a lovely way to bring some joy into your life, you know, and I think there's a lot of us and I'm the same that we eat for very different reasons and sometimes you know I'm as guilty as everyone else for comfort eating or stress eating and all those kind of things but I think the more you cook you satisfy yourself with a homemade meal and you've taken some joy in it and you've eaten yeah. it you know with other people that's that's the secret and yeah. that's what people did 50 years ago 60 years ago and we've kind of forgotten that simplicity of what eating should be and we've overcomplicated it so, yeah so we just need more people helping people get back to that i think and that's what i'm trying to do yeah <laughs> that's great yeah I, yeah i think what you're doing is great and how you approach it is really friendly yeah because like you say the whole wellness clean eating thing is mm. all very shamey and very high and mighty it's all very filtered yeah <laughs> my life all, is not filtered and it's just it's just like diets and all the bullshit that we've tried to go against, like remarketed, it's just repackaged, yeah, repackaged into something that looks like oh, it's a healthy lifestyle, yeah. But actually, is it a healthy lifestyle if you're being isolated from your friends and family because you can only eat out of Tupperware, yeah? Or is it you're spending four hours a day yeah. meal prepping and putting it in little boxes, and yeah? Or meticulously weighing things out to make sure you've got the right macros or whatever, yeah? And you know. It's, Some of these things have a place, yeah. But I think for the average person, they see that and they just think, "Oh, well, what's the point?" Yeah, because I'm never going to be able to do that a lot of the time. Yeah. And then you get a lot of families where, like, perhaps the mum and dad are doing clean eating, but they know the kids won't like it, so the kids are still having fish fingers and whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, that's sending weird messages to your kids that mum and dad can't eat this, but I can. You know, yeah. all that and that that it happened. You know, I'm God. I go. This, you know, before I go on holiday, I eat a bit less bread and all that, try and drink a bit less wine <laughs> for about three days, and then it stops, and then I go on holiday and have everything and, you know, undo all the damn, all the good work. Yeah, but, you know, it's just, we've got bigger things to be worrying about than, you know, macros, whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so just, yeah, concentrate on cooking, concentrate on buying as good quality as you can afford. Don't waste money on food that you don't eat don't waste money on processed food and then you actually do find that you put you know a bag of carrots my mum's lentil soup julie's lentil soup which is on my website is the cheapest lovely healthy easy meal to make it's a bag of carrots a couple of cans of tomatoes some dried red lentils a stock cube an onion don't have to fry anything chop it all up chuck it in a pan simmer it for 40 minutes mash it with a potato masher you've got your protein from the lentils you've got two different veg in there it fills you up because it's got loads of fiber it's dead cheap it lasts for five days in the fridge you know people need recipes like that yeah that they are achievable and don't cost a lot of money and taste nice yeah and the more complicated ones as well they're a bit fancier but you know let's start with eventually yeah Yeah. exactly start with the basics and you can add to that yeah i just love how simple cooking can be at home and i think it is simple Mm. but it's just been made to feel complicated mm. or people just have too much choice or people totally. either have way too much choice or not enough choice so they're limited to just the convenience foods yeah like if you live somewhere where in you, a food desert yeah you know about food the food desert thing yeah so especially like inner cities and towns where there is no access to you know it's maybe a tesco metro or something yeah. which has kind of has ingredients but not really enough that you can do yeah. a weekly shop there and if you're like getting the getting off the bus to work and you have to go into that shop yeah because it's the only walkable yeah, yeah. or you yeah. know especially like you know even like we lived in london and where we lived there was some amazing, like, you know, we had a big Somalian community where we lived and they had some amazing grocers. But actually, if you were a bit intimidated by some of those ingredients, it's quite, you're a bit like, I don't, you know, in the window, there's loads of coriander and sweet potatoes. And you're like, ah, I just want yeah. to buy some potatoes and carrots. I don't know if I'm allowed in that shop or whatever. Yeah. But there is a Subway and a KFC and yeah. all those places, you know, and you've got, you know, you've roughly got maybe five pounds to eat with for the day. And you see a poster that's one ninety nine for burger chips and a drink that ticks that box if no one's ever shown you that actually you could take that five pounds buy quite a lot of veg and some you know beans and stuff like that and make something that could last for the week you know um but it is there is too much choice but there's also 
you know, one of the things that I'm quite interested in is I think when I was a kid, I'm 40 now, so, you know, not that long ago, really. Um, <laughs> it, there weren't that many things that as a child you were expected to have tried. So most families would probably do shepherd's pie, sausage and mash, fish pie, fish cakes, if you had fish. Um, Spam and chips. Spag- yeah, yeah <laughs> corned beef hash, things like that. And, you know, it was repeated a lot. So, you know, it, a lot of families had the same meal on certain nights of the week. Yeah. So you knew Wednesday was egg and chips or whatever. And whilst that might be a bit dull and we kind of laugh about it because it's a bit, you know, beige. <laughs> actually, as a child, the familiarity of food, I think, allows you to feel confident about eating. And I think what we probably do now, and I'm guilty of it, is some nights I, I might want a Thai curry one night. I might want Mexican food another night. I might want, you know, something with quinoa another night. Yeah. And I rarely make the same thing more than once a month. So my poor kids don't really get a chance to learn you know for example like if you don't like shepherd's pie but you're served it every week after about five weeks you probably just eat it (laughs) yeah (laughs) because that's what it is and you know you get used to it whereas we almost don't give our kids a chance to get used to things because we're always looking for the bright thing and the new thing and trying new things so the poor little things that or they do have (laughs) something that they love and then you don't make it again for another 10 weeks because you know so it is we do have almost a bit too much choice and there is something about the familiarity of food and also the memories that evoke so I think most people of my generation if you say angel delight butterscotch angel delight or if you say I don't know crispy pancakes or you know corned beef hash if you're northern um that kind of makes you warm and fuzzy because it brings you back to childhood and I do wonder if our kids are almost going to have that because they don't have those repeated experiences of food that embeds it in their memories. Yeah, that's really know. interesting. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Anyone who knows more about it from a scientific point of view, I wish they could tell me, but that's just my gut instinct that maybe we expect too much of ourselves and our kids because we always want new things. Yeah. And actually, you know, maybe have 10 recipes that you are amazing at, that you know you can make, you know what the ingredients are, so you almost don't need a list, you don't need a recipe for and that's enough you yeah. don't have to keep making loads of new things so yeah unless it's your hobby and you want to you know that's your thing but as a normal cook yeah. don't feel like you need to be able to make a Thai curry if you're brilliant at making spaghetti bolognese you know just make the spaghetti bolognese make the spaghetti bolognese yeah, yeah. <laughs> love spaghetti bolognese love spaghetti bolognese yeah yeah, yeah we, we have like a go to mental note of a few recipes that take like 10-15 yeah. minutes yeah because I love food and I I could spend you know a good hour in the kitchen with Adam my boyfriend playing music making a nice meal yeah it's really fun for us but no one has that time like every night no not in a week even once a week sometimes yeah so what are your like could you list maybe five favorite meals that take like I said like less than 15 20 minutes Okay, so... Um, and on your website, recipes. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, some of them are so simple, they're not on my website. I mean, I love scrambled egg on toast. Thing, yes. You know, when you're in an absolute pinch. Baked beans. Oh, yeah. But, you know, just that is... There's nothing wrong with that. And then have a piece of fruit afterwards. You know, yeah. if you're in a rush, that's great. Um, I do a one-pan pasta, which is super popular on my website. It's one of my most made things, where you actually cook the dry pasta in the sauce right. so you make quite a wet sauce yeah and then you put the dry pasta in. and what happens is as the pasta cooks it absorbs the liquid from the sauce which makes the sauce thicker yeah and it also absorbs the flavor so your pasta actually tastes of something rather than being wow. plain pasta with sauce on top and it kind of that. thickens the sauce <laughs> i can have that done in 20 minutes um i am a huge advocate of having frozen rice in the freezer so i cook brown rice freeze it and then I can just grab a handful out and put it into a stir fry or something because often yeah. that's the thing that takes the time to cook is especially oh, if you want brown yeah. rice rather than white rice. Yeah. Um, so I do that a lot. Um, noodle bowls. I have just discovered some brown rice. I'm not gluten free, but the, I buy these because they're quick. They're brown rice noodles. The only ingredients are brown rice and water. And you soak them in boiling water rather than boiling them or anything. So they're ready in five minutes. And yeah. just toss that through with some, you know, chopped up green beans, frozen peas, um, bit of salmon or a bit of chicken, some fish sauce, lime, chilli, job done. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, there's loads of different ones that I could share. But the other, things that I, the other thing that I think is really helpful is 
mindfully making leftovers. So if I do, if I'm going to cook some chicken, for example, one night, I'll usually cook more than we're going to eat. Yeah. So that I've got it in the fridge. And the things that take longer to cook, like grains, chicken, whatever, if you've got those in the fridge ready to go, as like little building blocks for your recipes. Or I'm a big fan of having a jar of romesco sauce, which is like red peppers, um, sherry vinegar, smoked paprika, almonds, mm-hmm. blitzed up. And if you've got that, then you can get away with making something quite boring. But then you stir that in and it tastes really delicious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you look in my fridge, there's lots of jars of sauces that I've made or leftovers that I include. And often some of my best recipes have come about because I've got weird leftovers in the fridge that I've combined. And yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going to make this into a recipe, you know? So it's, but it's a mindset. And there's a lot of people who are freaked out by leftovers because they're scared they're going to get food poisoning or mm. they get bored of eating. They think they've got to eat the same thing twice if you have leftovers whereas actually yeah. if you think of it as a base and then add different things to it it can almost turn so you could make a spaghetti bolognese and then later on in the week you could add some you know you could have it with like some make some slaw and have it with baked potato rather than having it as spaghetti bolognese with pasta you know things like yeah. that and it just doesn't feel like you're eating the same meal twice but yeah. you kind of are so. yeah that, that's the kind of thing that i just never think about yeah, well, it's but a habit. I it's am just... a leftovers fan. Yeah, like I, I get, I actually get excited if there's like a big pan on the stove, and I know yeah. I'm slogging away at my desk, and I'm like, oh yes, yes, and it always tastes better the next Massive day anyway. Bowl of pasta, yeah, for me when I finish working. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just, and it's just, if no one's ever shown you or taught you, how are you supposed to know? Yeah, you know, I just went and did a class um, in London with a lady who's this amazing Instagram yoga woman, and she's got a huge job in banking, like super stressful, and she doesn't cook. And at the end of it, she was like, "Do you know what's really funny? I'd never really thought I had to ask someone to teach me to cook. I thought I should just know." And she's like this super, and she and she's like, you know, people come to me to learn yoga because how are you going to learn yoga on your own if you don't have a teacher? And she's like, cooking's kind of the same. And I was like, yeah, yeah it, it is. Like, so we all assume we should know. Or even, you know, uh-huh. if you have had a parent who didn't cook, or even often you had a parent who was an amazing cook, who was did it all and never really let you join in, you know? Yeah, if true. no one's ever shown you, you're not going to know. Yeah. It's kind of simple. But we assume it's one of those things like, we should be able to cook for ourselves because it's a basic thing. Like, yeah. In the I same way as I never even, I was, I'm rubbish at ironing. And my mum had to like literally be like, this is oh how God, you iron a shirt. Because ironing, I'm yeah. rubbish at ironing, I hate it. Um, I actively don't buy things that would need ironing. Yeah, I have like a pile of things that need ironing. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I bought that six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wore it once yeah. and washed it and yeah. was like, <laughs> yeah, I will never buy a white shirt <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. One thing I want to ask um, before we move on to the quick round questions yeah. um, on the subject of getting kids involved and preventing kids from being fussy or helping mm. get kids out of a fussy stage, because I know there will be lots of mums listening of ki- with kids of varying ages, so they'll either be anticipating this in mm. a couple of years or they might be going through it now. How much do you get your kids involved in cooking and food? And are there certain things that you don't get them involved in? You know, like shopping. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. of before because kids can get. Oh. I imagine it's a bit of a nightmare shopping with kids. Yeah. I remember going shopping with my mum and dad and just being like, I want this. I want, I want, I want this. this. Yeah. Or sneaking it into the Oh, God, that all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. We had, I came in with an Easter egg the other day. I was like, what? Who's put an Easter egg in? Obviously, I ate it. Um, <laughs> damn you for these mini eggs. Um, I love mini eggs. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that's big food, but I'll, I'll give that a go. But um, yeah, so I... Listen, I could sit here and say, you should get your kids cooking dinner with you every night. But no, because that would take forever and yeah. cause loads of mess. However, any opportunity... You know, the fact that my kids... You know, we've got a lo- we're lucky we've got a big kitchen, so the kids are usually in here playing while I'm cooking. So they are aware that food needs to be cooked, which a lot yeah. of kids aren't. They, um, you know, I, even if I'm not eating with them, because I may be eating with my husband later, I will sit with them when they eat and we just talk about their day and, I, you know, if it's something they've never tried before, I'll tell them a story about it. So this is, I mean, they've been eating avocado since they're babies, but for example, I might say, this is an avocado, do you know what country it's from? And then we'll talk about where it's from or what other things do you think people eat with this? And, you know, they almost get distracted by that so they eat stuff because 
food is so much around conversation and socialising. And I, you know, I've been guilty of it. And I know a lot of mums do this, that they sit and they're kind of like hovering over their kids as, eat your broccoli. Why yeah. haven't you eaten your broccoli yet? You've got to eat your broccoli. You're not having any pudding until you eat your broccoli. There's no telly this week. I'm taking your iPad away if you don't eat the broccoli. And it becomes a thing. It becomes like this becomes horrible feeling. As well. Yeah, and I, you know, God, as a child, when you're sitting there and someone is hovering, and it's always with such good intention that it's happening, but mealtimes just become this like horrible time because you're basically being shouted at while you're eating something you don't like, you know? Yeah. Or you know that your mum's getting upset about something or your dad. Um, so I do try to, I cook something, I give it to them, I don't cajole them. If they're not eating it, then I try not, to, you know, there are times I'm like, do you know what? You're not going to be having pudding if you don't eat that. But that usually doesn't work because I don't do great puddings midweek anyway. So there's probably only some fruit that we're going to get anyway. Um, but if they don't eat it, I just kind of leave it and that's it cool fine if you're not eating that's good and then tomorrow morning they'll probably have a bigger breakfast and yeah whereas i think if you start to kind of follow their whims you're on yeah. the, like oh that's just a disaster you know um so kind of going back to how i get them into food you know they obviously know that i'm really into food like we go if we go out to eat i'll talk a lot about the food you know i'll talk about oh this is this place is really cool because this guy set it up and da, da, da. and they love the sto- i think the stories of food get kids in, excited when we do cook together, like my seven-year-old can make scrambled eggs for breakfast and I give him so much praise. He makes a big mess. But like when we serve it, I'll say to everyone, oh my gosh, he made this for us. And Aww. you know, I mean, yeah. and he loves that and he's really proud of it. Mo- I imagine most like 18-year-old lads at uni can't make like, good scrambled yeah, eggs. Yeah, I know. But you know, I think <laughs> if you can pick a few things and let them own it. So when we have scrambled eggs, I now don't do it. I let him do it. And for him, that's like a real source of pride and being yeah. quite grown up. Um, yeah, gosh, oh, I'm trying to think. The other big thing is snacking that I think we as a generation have got into bad habits. So when I had my first baby and I was weaning him, I was told that you have to do breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. Yeah. And I think the concept of snacking is something that we've kind of taken a bit too far. So we're never really that hungry. So yeah. I think a lot of kids when they sit down to eat aren't actually that hungry because you know, little kids have probably been chewing on a rice cake all afternoon or something less healthy. Um, and older kids probably come in from school and have quite a big snack. And then we're expecting them to eat dinner an hour later. And it's like, well, I'm not that hungry after having a big snack. So, and then you combine that with giving them something they're maybe not that keen on. It's no yeah. surprise they don't eat it. Yeah. And I'm not saying you've got to starve your kids, but you know, when they come in from school, give them an apple and then yeah. give them their dinner, you know. Don't give kids food as a way of shutting them up when they're crying or when they're moaning. I do it sometimes, but it's I see the impact of that. So if my kids are being little buggers and I'm trying to go around the supermarket and I give them quite a big snack just to keep them going because they're tired or whatever, I kind of know that dinner's not going to happen brilliantly. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's being the grown-up and being in charge as well which isn't nice sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they might not like you for it sometimes, but it's, a, I always say to people, it's a bit like potty training. When you're going through potty training, it's like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> and, you know, there's we days everywhere. where there's like, we everywhere and like, I've just done a poo. Where's the poo? Where is the poo? <laughs> and like, you're looking around the house and they're like laughing and they've done a poo somewhere they shouldn't have done. Or you're out and they need the toilet and you've got to yeah. run across the supermarket, all that stuff. If we hadn't done that, we'd still have kids running around in nappies. Yeah. But we do it because we know as parents you have to do it to move them on to the next stage. And I think food's a bit like that, that you just have to... Do you know what? I know as a grown-up what you should be eating, so I'm going to do what I can to make that happen. Um, and, yeah, I was I started it, obviously, when my kids were babies, so I never, you know, I gave them what we ate. So yeah. I never did kids food, adult food. Um, which was my mum's advice, and yeah. that worked really well. And do you never do kids' menus at restaurants? I try not. Well, when they were little, it was really easy because I would just order, especially living in America because the portions are huge. So I would order what I had, and yeah. then I would give them some of mine. Um, or as they got a bit older, we'd just order a main course for them to share. 
Um, what's hard now that they can read is when we go to a restaurant, they get given the kids' menu, and obviously they're like, burger? Of course Chicken I want a burger. Nuggets. Of course I want a pizza. I'm like, no, why didn't you try this like unusual Middle Eastern thing? And they're like, no, I want a burger. Um, so, you know, I let them have... If we, I tend to pick restaurants where I know even the kids' menu is like nice stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they will have the kids' menu, but I try and make out like eating off the adult menu is cooler yeah. and that the kids' menu is for babies. And they're now at an age where they're a bit desperate to not be babies. So yeah. I kind of use that, which is not cool. great psychology. I don't know. but um, Or I just say, I, when we go in, I'm like, oh, no, we don't need the kids' menu. Yeah. And I just show them things that I know they'll like off the main menu. And yes, we do that. So, yeah. That's really helpful. I don't oh, have kids, but I'm sure. When you do. Really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's so much. It's hard. It's bloody hard. Being a parent's hard. And... I would never want to say to them they're doing a bad job with feeding their kids, but I think we just all get so exhausted sometimes that we just do whatever's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And as in everything also, of life. I think most parents think as long as they're eating something, at least they're eating. Yeah, which to be honest. Even if it's like a chocolate bar. It is, you know, there's kids around the world who are having no food. And, yeah. you know, it's better to have a KFC and a milkshake than nothing. Yeah. But there's better options, you know. Yeah. It's just education. I think that's why it's so great what you do because it's accessible yeah and it's food in your home yeah and it's not some fine dining chef who's just like it's not gordon ramsay telling a mum what to make for her kids for dinner which we all know he's probably never made his kids dinner (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it's yeah it's that's not me i get it and you know my kids do have pizza and burgers and all those kind of things they you know it's the school disco tonight and the one thing they don't have is fizzy drinks. I can't cope with that. But they will have their money and they'll go and buy loads of Haribo and be wired. And I'll be like, ooh! But that's part <laughs> of being a kid, you know? And that's, yeah. I'm not going to be one of those like, here's a bag of carrot sticks to take to the school disco. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. used to work with a girl who, before we had kids, we used to label you know how you judge everybody um and we used to say yeah she's a bit carrots for sweets right yeah. <laughs> as in like she's the kind of mum that gives her kids carrots and expects yeah. them to be a treat well, people say crun- crunchy granola mom yeah 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 i mean we're lovely like, like, everything's like oh, organic yeah and i'm sure people like roll their eyes at the stuff mm. i do we all like to judge each other but you know just doing our best yeah <laughs> yeah definitely. for whatever reason well i'm really glad we've chatted today because i love food food. (laughs) but let's move on to the last section of the interview which is just the quick round questions that i ask every guest so it's a bit of a tangent to what we've been talking about i'm all about self-care yeah on this podcast i'm really passionate about women making time to take time out for themselves Mm -hmm. what are your like non-negotiable go-to self-care things when you just need a bit of me time so I was an only child I am an only child and I need time on my own sometimes and that's quite a selfish thing to ask for when you've got kids because you're expected as a mum to be around for everyone so sometimes like I will just say to my husband do you know what can you even if it's the case of putting the kids in front of a film I just need an hour to just sit and read or just to be on my own and have a bit of quiet time yeah um so that happens um I go to the gym that I mean, I'm not a gym bunny, but I love going and doing a real sweaty class, like a spin class, and just concentrating only on, oh my God, how am I going to get through this, versus yeah. anything else that's my head's full of stuff constantly. Um, oh gosh, and then this probably isn't self-care, but I love having a bottle of wine with one of my friends or with my husband, and just that bring the world self-care. to rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, just chat, chat, and yeah. laughing. Something about like a glass of what well, for me it's gin and tonic yeah something about an alcoholic drink shared with a friend or your partner yeah. it's, it's just a laugh. it takes the edge off doesn't yeah. it i know it's yeah a drug or whatever but let's just do it it is self I, I think it is self-care because i think some people if you have a high stress job or you are a parent you need that shoulder time. drop yeah <laughs> And sometimes, yeah. you know, if that's a glass of wine and that's that glass of wine brings you pleasure and makes yeah. you think, oh, yeah, which <laughs> it does, then yeah. it's self-care. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't feel so bad about it now. As long as you're not, like, having the whole bottle yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is, 
what is challenging you to leave your comfort zone and grow recently? Because I'm all about stepping outside your comfort zone, whether that's in your personal life, mm-hmm. in yourself or in your business. What's challenging you recently? So in business, um, I for a long time have done this on my own and you know, it's been the kind of business that because it's in my home a lot of the time, it kind of makes sense for me to do it on my own. But I got to a point about six months ago where I realised I can never achieve the goals that I've set for myself, which is writing a book, um, getting like online meal planning as an actual programme rather than me just doing everything um, yeah. on my blog, um, teaching more. I was spending so much time doing admin and invoicing and all website updates that I actually was, you know, there was weeks going by when I had hardly even made a new recipe or written about it, which is yeah. the bit that I'm good at. So last year I sat down and decided that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just financially, it's a big thing, but I've hired, um, or rather I've I've got someone working with me who is um, two days a week PA, virtual PA, who is, she's only been doing it for three weeks, but she's amazing. And she's basically taking all my admin and my website and all that stuff that she can do much better than me and faster and it allows me to be freed up to work on like business development and things like this yeah. and you know cooking classes and networking and going to do cooking classes with influencers and all that kind of stuff which will actually grow my business a lot more than me yeah. fine tuning my invoice format you know yeah. and all that kind of thing which i think when you've got your own business it's because you have to do everything and you kind of can do everything and you always start out doing everything yeah and you haven't you got any money to pay for it. anything else yeah. you do it all yourself but then you can never take that step up to grow because there's not enough hours in the day yeah so that's my thing that I'm working on at the moment so that's one thing in terms of manage, working with someone else having done yeah. everything myself but also you know not allowing the fact that I've now got more time for that time to be wasted like that time I've I'm paying a lot of money to get that time so I need to make sure that I use it properly and I'm efficient with it and it, everything I do is working towards my goals rather than just fanning around doing something on Instagram yeah. for two hours <laughs> yeah that's yeah. great yeah. yeah anything personal? oh Not god to, like, share your life yeah no I mean bloody <laughs> hell um, I want to be more present for my kids I've got my own business so yeah I manage to pick them up from school every day which is why I do this and but sometimes I pick them up and I bring them home and I'm then on my phone doing work or which I really don't want to do but then you know if I didn't do that I probably couldn't be there to pick them up from school so yeah I need to be kinder to myself around that I'm really trying I went to speak to somebody last night who is um kind of coaching people and stuff and at an event and she was really clear about setting very clear blocks of time in your day for certain things so setting time for work but also setting time for fun yeah and I think when you've got your own business and you could be working all the time you need to set time for fun and it's not like it's not trampolining you know set time for fun (laughs) as in you know sitting and watching TV with the kids for half an hour and having yeah. a cuddle or, you know, reading a magazine and not feeling guilty about that because I'm really bad at thinking I should be doing this, I should be doing this. So that's what I really want to, you know, just, I'm doing, you know, I could be in a job where I earn a lot more money and I'm not doing that because I've chosen to have my own business and the flexibility of that I want to make sure I actually benefit from rather yeah. than just working more hours and getting dead stressed and not being present for people, so. Yeah. Yeah, husband oh, and kids cool. and friends and stuff. So I find a lot of people run into that because you start a business. Most people start a business with the hope that it will be flexible and will allow them a certain lifestyle, whatever that is for them. Whether they want to be able to travel or they want to be able to spend more time with their loved ones. Mm. But then we get into this like really toxic cycle of guilt when we're not working Mm. and because like you say because you can work every hour under the sun Mm. if you're not you feel like you still should be because you're still thinking oh I didn't get back to that email today or I didn't post on Instagram today or whatever and it's saying no like this time is for my family Mm. and those things can wait till tomorrow yeah yeah try my best (laughs) (laughs) it's tough it's tough yeah so my next question is, what are your 2018 goals? I know we're like, I know through the first quarter yeah. now. But. So my goals for this year. So I really want to get. So I've got you know loads of amazing recipes that have been tried and tested. I know people love them. Are very different than anything else that's out there. 
I want to do a cookbook and my goal for this year, my goal for this year was to get a cookbook published, but I'm now at the point where I just want to get an agent and hopefully be on the way to getting a publishing deal because yeah. it everything takes so much longer. The proposal and that oh, kind of stuff. Oh gosh, yeah, it's really, it. so if anyone knows an agent who might be interested, please let me know. Um, so yeah, so that's my big focus and to um, grow my reach and engagement with the people who follow me. So doing more video content because I think what I do you know if you can't come to a class and I can only have eight to ten people in a class a couple of times a week there's a lot of people who follow me or whatever sign up for my newsletter who probably will never be able to come to a class because of geography or time or whatever so I want to be able to share what I do via video to help more people see me in action and learn yeah. from that rather than just written stuff so yeah I'm working with a girl Katie who's like a brilliant um videographer and she's gonna she's doing some stuff for me so that'll be great yes that's exciting yeah. yeah yeah I think with recipes people love the reassurance of the video yeah because you're like oh mine looks like hers yeah does, so and you it can must see be the going right details that you know and I yeah. try and write in quite a detailed way my recipes sometimes look quite long because I write a lot of detail in there but actually you can you know pitch paints a thousand you know you can see yeah. so much more so much more quickly in a video and you have a beautiful kitchen. Oh, finally. After lots of years of living in rental kitchens that I didn't like, it's nice to finally have one that is never moving. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it took a lot of time to get there. A lot of hard work. So, to finish then, yeah. where can everyone go to follow you online and get involved with your cooking classes or read your recipes? Okay, so my website is yousaytomatocooking.com. Um, Instagram and Twitter, I am at Wade. So G-E-M-C-W-A-D-E. Um, Facebook, I am You Say Tomato Cooking. Um, I have a newsletter that goes out every two weeks. And in that, I always share recipes, class news, um, and my meal plans. So yeah. um, that's a really good if people sign up for the newsletter. And because of Instagram and Facebook algorithms, I think the more of us who can do newsletters, yeah. it's much easier to let people keep in touch rather than relying on social media quite as much. So yeah, yeah so that's what I do. Amazing. Yeah. And you do classes twice a week it kind of depends so i'm going in a few weeks i'm going to america and i teach two classes a day for a week so i will be taking a bit of time off either side from that because it's just exhausting um a lot of preparation goes into well it's just yeah i have to get ready for it and i have to um do a lot of admin stuff to to be there and while i'm there i literally teach two three-hour classes a day and in between it's supermarket and washing pans yeah it's not california lying on a beach or anything like that yeah it's lovely i get to see people but it's not it's not like that um so yeah i do one to two classes a week i do private classes where people will come with a group of friends and it's like a kind of little party for them or yeah. i do classes where people can come on their own and they'll be with other people but um it's yeah so there's lots of different ways that people all the information's on my website great and all of the links for everything gems mentioned will be in the show notes if you go to kathorrocks.com forward slash podcast they will all be there. Yeah. Thank you. you to click on Lovely. and follow. Thank you. And thank you so much for talking to oh, me. Thank you. We could have talked for hours. And we I should know. really cook something now, shouldn't we? <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> thank I you. Need to, I need to go now and I feel like I have to experience your amazing food. Oh, we need to come out for a class. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. definitely. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you. And I will see you soon for another interview. Bye.